it's recording morning. How are you feeling? Okay. I had a really terrible migraine yesterday and I'm not really sure what brought it on. Sometimes it happens when like the air pressure changes. Yeah. And like just my left eye was just like mm. throbbing all day. And like, I got to the point where I crawled into bed probably around nine o'clock. Good for you. And I'm really lucky because I've had migraines in the past where I was living on my own with my two dogs and I still have to do all the things. And right. thank God I'm in a position now where I have someone who can take care of me. I was like, this is so weird. I, <laughs> My concept for like being taken care of, like it was always me. And now there's someone who takes care of me and it's bizarre. And I'm, I, sometimes I'm like, are you real? Yeah. Are you real or do you really exist? Like he took the dogs out, you know, tucked them to bed, brought me a glass of water, brought me aspirin, you know, sat with me caressed my head he's like is there anything else you need and I'm like Aww. if I had any more energy I would probably cry right now because I can't believe you're real <laughs> oh isn't that wonderful that I mean it makes I mean relationships are challenging all relationships have their own challenges sure. but you know when you have a healthy relationship you know you have those moments where you just think gosh isn't this wonderful <laughs> and you know the best part was at no point did I sit there and wonder, is he like mad at me because he's having to do all of this right now? Yeah. Is this like a burden? He was just genuinely feeling bad that I was feeling bad. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's love. That's yeah. love. Yeah, for sure. Oh, sure. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Me too. <laughs> I'm happy for you and your pink Floyd sweater. Thanks. <laughs> This is my, uh, my cold morning special. I like uh, it. I put it on whenever I want to get into my old lady, um, grandma, (laughs) but then I'm like, no, you're still young. Damn it. Put something cool on young and hip. Yeah. Not ready for the moo's yet. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I've been ready. Let's, let's be honest. I was wearing what could be uh, identified as a moo-moo probably <laughs> in college. Uh, they're comfortable. Okay. There's a lot of like, um, circulation yeah. circulation that, that takes place, which is very nice. That's what I was going to say. There's just, everything's just free flowing in the moo-moo. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Okay. The freedom that you get as you get older to just mm. say, to just give up, not maybe give up isn't the right word, to just accept that you don't have to conform, that you can live in comfort and live in peace. Like, God, if, if we had that, if we could take ownership of that at a younger age, I really feel like we would not be so sarcastic and sardonic and miserable. <laughs> Yeah, or lamenting yeah. existence itself. Moo-moos. I mean. Moo-moos can solve everything, you guys. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let it go. Enjoy. Oh, on to another Disney movie. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to a Disney movie, really, at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> you are Snow White, so it makes it makes sense. Tis true. Tis true. Yes. Well, speaking of the 40s, I know we're talking about identity today. I, I was thinking about how our identity changes through the years and how we see ourselves and how we even think about identity. I know in my 20s, I mean, obviously growing up, a lot of how you feel about who you are is about who you're friends with, right? Yeah. Or, or more importantly, who you're not friends with as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know who you are by who you're not sometimes. Right. Yeah, and and sometimes that shapes the the wanting to be something different shapes your path in certain directions. Yeah. And then I think in your 20s, at least for me, it was just about trying to find my place. Right. You know, not not necessarily knowing exactly where that was. And I think in my 30s, I was trying to figure out, you know, I was still like in the striving, right. I was in the striving and the getting and the, and now I feel like I'm just in the being in my forties. Yeah. I'm just being. When, when did you first sort of start to craft your understanding of what your identity was? Like, do you remember how old you were? Sorry, that's my dog jingling his collar. <laughs> do you remember how old you were when you first started to craft your like first sense of identity? Oh yeah. I actually, in some of my writings that I found, I was recently going through some of my old stuff. I mean, I was writing probably in fourth grade who I was explicitly. Like yeah. I was writing things like I am a girl who wants to change the world. You know, right. I, I am a girl who is defining herself. I am a girl who um, wants to travel. Like that's kind of how I saw myself growing up. I mean, I was always thinking about who I was. And part of it too is that I didn't look out in the world and see anyone like me anywhere, yeah. whether it was my culture, mm -hmm. how I looked, my name, Mm, yeah. So it, in some ways it was kind of a, it was kind of like a pass to just kind of figure it all out and throw, mm -hmm. throw paint on a canvas. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you feel like, do you feel like you learned how to do that or was it just something you kind of came up with on your own, like the writing, like, did you model it off of something else that you saw making those statements? It's such a good question. I mean, part of it, of course, some of it's influenced by TV. Amy's favorite thing. Yeah, <laughs> I was. That was the third parent, you guys. Yeah, I was a child of the '80s. It was the third parent. So true. That was our generation, right? Um, yeah, some of it was TV, certainly, but a lot of it, most of it, was books. Yeah. My my mother, um, she was a hippie, guys. <laughs> you'll you'll find out. <laughs> Well, you'll already know by the, by the time of this recording, but, oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, she was a very free kind of spirit. Yes. And so she had just a large collection of books. She had studied art history. She loved the Beatles. She got into different things in the seventies, Eastern mysticism, things like that. And she had a wide variety of books. We had this one bookcase in the living room and it was for me, it was the corner of like magic. 
Mm-hmm. That was where the magic happened was mm-hmm. in that bookcase. I would go and sit and pull a book out of the bookcase and I would just read. And yeah. I, and I read things I didn't even understand, you know, I mean, I read black beauty out of there and Moby Dick out of there. And I read, uh, you know, John Lennon's writings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what I was reading, but sure. I just absorbed it into myself. And I just realized like I was sort of a poetic being I just Mm -hmm. words gave me the opportunity to express myself and that's what I wanted to do right it's pretty cool yeah how about you I don't know how I crafted my identity at a young age out of play-doh out of play-doh well yes (laughs) (laughs) no I think from what my parents tell me I had a very um active imagination I was very independent. Like I, I could independently play in my room by myself for hours. And I actually remember this as a child. Um, I remember just creating a lot of different worlds in my head. So I really enjoyed role play. I really enjoyed kind of becoming versions of myself that I didn't feel like I was allowed to be outside my room. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this this morning, actually. I remember being really little and close the door, lock the door, and I would put on all kinds of makeup. I would get very experimental with clothes and makeup and style. And, you know, I, I knew like, okay, around 7, 7.30, we're probably going to have dinner. So I need to quickly wash my face and get into regular clothes before I came down. I don't think my parents had any clue. You were having your own fashion show yeah, in your it was, room. It was, New, it was New York Fashion Week in your room. Well, <laughs> it was definitely... Um, Definitely either New York or Milan. I, cu- I couldn't tell you which, but it was very couture. And, <laughs> you know, and I think I was really developing, like, I would say my whole life is plagued by duality. There's the version of myself that I am when I'm by myself. And then there's a version of myself I am when I'm not by myself. So this, in part, I think, develops when you have uh, a really strong cultural identity. Mm-hmm. So you code switch, you right. have a part of you that maybe speaks with a thicker Indian accent when you're with your parents, because it's natural. And then when you leave the house and you're at school, you know, you have a more stylized Long Island accent, which is what was the, what was true for me? And then you'd come home and then you'd switch. Right. And this Mm -hmm. would happen obviously with different communities of friends. Like I had different friend groups. So I had some friend groups that were really intellectual. They spoke in full sentences and, you know, intelligence was what got you into that group. Um, And then you had you know, the group of friends who were like the misfits, who were outcasts, who did not want to conform. So you were maybe a little more slack with how you spoke. So I sort of prided myself on being like a social stem cell. I could jump into any group. And part of this, I think, is because I didn't realize this, of course, at the time, but there was a really strong 
empathic thread. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, when you grow up really sensitive and you feel, you know, everything, you start to learn how, what parts, what parts of you are allowed to show up and what parts of you need to go take a nap. And I was picking and choosing from all of these things every day based on where I was. And I thought that that's how you were supposed to be. And I remember this one time, this, it might've been like middle school yearbook. Everyone was signing the yearbooks and I brought them, I brought mine home and I read through what everyone had written. And that's when I realized this is how people see me. This Mm. is what people think I am. And there were all kinds of things. There were things like, you know, oh, you're so sweet. You're such a sweetheart. Or there were things like, oh my God, you're the funniest person I know. Or you're so nice. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I don't know if these qualities were innate in me or they were things that I developed in order to have friends, Hmm. right? Because so much of at least the early part of your life is you're trying to survive and it's easier to survive when you have people, you know, and when you're in a group. So even if you don't have innately certain qualities, you fake it, you know, you become the self-deprecating person, which I very much was. I was so self-deprecating because remember, yeah, that was how you got friends. That's how you made people laugh. You sort of disarm them with your humor and then that's your in. Well, and the part was, about you wanting to take a nap isn't fake. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's very real. It's still there today. But no, like you learn all of these things. At no point did I ever remember my mom or my, my dad pulling me aside and saying, be yourself. Mm. Right? There was never, I would hear that message in school. I'd hear it on TV. Never heard it at home. I That's never heard like a very American, like modern day yes. thing to say, like be your, just be yourself. And I mm-hmm. like you, I mean, I didn't get that message either. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at cross-culturally the, t- the kinds of messages that are sent. So Western culture, let's say American culture is very individualistic. There's a lot of focus on individual or personal development. Eastern culture, for the most part, in particular Indian culture, is more about the collective. It's more about the whole. It's more about the family. Right. So every single thing you do is not a reflection on you as a person. It's Mm -hmm. a reflection of your unit. Yes. Every decision you make, you have to think, how is this going to reflect on my family? Right. And that I think is part of the reason why I had such a robust imagination. And I was very like all the things when I was by myself. But as soon as I left my room, it was like, okay, who do I need to be here? Who do I need Mm -hmm. to be there? Yeah. A little bit of a chameleon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I can relate to a lot of that as I'm sure a lot of people who have, you know, either parents, you know, who may have been immigrants Mm -hmm. or they themselves born in another country and immigrated here or just have, you know, some kind of other culture in their, 
in their growing up situation. That's, I think that's something that we can all relate to. It was very interesting because I had the dichotomy of having the, <laughs> the white sort of all American mother yeah. and a father who is an immigrant from India and, and very, um, kind of a strange, like he had kind of broken from a lot of the tradition, mm-hmm. you know, obviously marrying somebody, somebody outside of his race in the 1970s, which yeah. is, you know, big deal, big deal. But he himself having left home, he was a little bit of the black sheep in the family. And so he was kind of a different person entirely. And what I observed was I would hear these messages about what I was supposed to be Mm-hmm. As, a, as an Indian for my father, but then I didn't observe him being those things. Right. We would go to the mosque when I was really young, but he would never go. We had to go. Yeah. But he wouldn't go. We had to pray, but I never once saw him praying. And so I remember at some point we stopped going. And, uh, but I just remember that was where I sort of started to really look at this concept of identity and who people say they are versus who they actually are. And for me, I just wanted there to be, it wasn't enough to say something. You had to be it, you had to live it. And Mm -hmm. there was this gap between what, where I wanted to be and where I was, I just had to kind of quote unquote, fake it till I made it. Sure. That was your, that was your catchphrase. Yeah. The entire time I knew you in college. And yeah, it beyond. was. It's not now. I no, mean, it but isn't back now, then. But for then, yeah, it was. I just, how can you, again, how can you be something you've never been sure. knowing like, this is who I want to be. And, I'm, and I don't yet have the skills. I don't yet have the means. I don't yet have the life that fits me. My life doesn't feel like it fits me. I just always felt like, why am I in this life mm-hmm. that I'm in? And so I had to kind of build it and create it and get to the point where my world actually looked more like me. And I've had yeah. a lot of missteps there, but hey, there are certain things that stay true. Hey, you wanted to take a nap when you were eight, you still want to take a nap. <laughs> And now I was a night owl. I was a night owl when I was eight, still a night owl. Right. (laughs) So it's, but it is interesting. Like you were talking about journaling. I remember having, remember those black and white marble notebooks. Oh yeah. Writing composition books. Yep. So I had one of those and that became my diary Mm. and I would hide it between my mattress. I would write in there and I'd hide it between my mattress thinking my parents (laughs) were smart and they wouldn't look there. I have gone back over the years to reread some, some things. And I was a really depressed kid. Yeah. Like really, really depressed kid. I really prided myself on making sure no one could see it. Mm. When I think about my identity, I look at pictures, I listen to stories that my friends would tell. Like I'm still friends with a lot of the people that I was friends with in elementary and middle school. And when I, you know, get reminded of old times and things like that, it seems like I was such a happy, vivacious, fun kid. And then when I read the things I used to write and I remember the things I used to think. Yeah. It's like two completely different people. But it makes sense to you because sure. you're you and those are your memories and your experiences right. and relationships. Right. And it must have been kind of, 
I actually want to say it was in my 30s when I started to take the two separate pieces because mm-hmm. I would say for a good 30 something years I was two separate identities mm-hmm. there was the version of me that I felt okay being by myself and then there was a version of me I felt like I had to be based on the people I was around mm-hmm. when I started to sort of sew that together it was very strange I lost a lot of people pretty I would say within a year of starting that process, my entire friend group changed. Yeah. Part of that was probably people who were just used to relating to who you were in a certain way. Like, Hey, I'm friends with the happy, funny Amy, but I'm not on board with this, like more vulnerable, (laughs) sometimes depressed Amy. (laughs) What happens when you realize you haven't fully really been present in every situation and then you become present in every situation is you start to notice how people treat you mm-hmm. and you maybe didn't realize you weren't getting treated well. Yeah. Um, because again, you were only half a person and you weren't really taking in everything. And then you start to realize, wow, th- this is what these people think of me. In a lot of my friend groups, I was the token Brown girl and I didn't see it. I didn't realize it. I had no idea. Mm. Like I had, friends who would be like, oh, I really, I really want to get um, saris and make them curtains in my room. I think that would look so pretty. Do you know where I could get that? And like super appropriative behavior, right? And I'm sitting there going, I'm probably supposed to think this is okay, but there was that that feeling inside of yuckiness. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, that's, that's it. I looked back on my twenties. And all I felt was yuckiness. Mm. Like, oh my God. And the worst part was I was complicit. Like I went along with all of it. And then in my thirties, it was like, wait a second. All of these people, all these people ever talk about is how badly they want to go to my wedding. I'm not married. I'm not engaged. I don't have a boyfriend. They just want to be around me because they the fanfare associated <laughs> with your culture. Yeah. With my culture. Yeah. None of them were talking about anything else, just like that. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it went back to growing up wanting so badly to fit in, to be a part of a group. You sometimes didn't care what group you were in mm-hmm. because again, this was survival. I need to survive. And it was right. a learned strategy in childhood because I was maybe one of the only brown kids or Indian kids, I should say it. Cause even the black kids had their communities, but I was somewhere in between. I would get asked, are you black? And I'd be mm-hmm. like, I, I know I'm not white. I know I'm not black, but there was nothing in between. Well, I think that's part of it too, is that people want you to fit into a certain box or label. And and I think depending too, even as an adult, depending on where you travel, when you meet people like, you know, here in DC, the first thing somebody asks when you meet them is where do you work? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Right. Whereas like in Florida, people will ask, I I used to always get asked, are you married? Do you have (laughs) kids? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and, and I'm sure like in other places, um, it's, it's different depending yeah. on, depending on where, maybe in California, it's, do you surf? I don't know, <laughs> but there's like these, certain do you lift of- bro? Do you lift? Yeah. Lift bro. Like totally. Do you lift? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you CrossFit? Um, oh yeah. That's a big one. Are you in a cult? Are you, which cult are you in? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I, you should be aware that I've been watching a lot of television programming about cults and, and it's so fascinating. Like, it's it so is fascinating. so fascinating. It really is. Like, you know, you watch these things and you think, how did you, I, how did you abandon your whole mm. identity? But again, this goes back to that sense of belonging. People yeah. want so badly to belong. Who is it that said, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything? My mom. No, your mom. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone said that, but I remember like that always stuck in my brain. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to have to go look it up, but it was, it was so profound to me. Yeah. I, I feel like it was like Eleanor Roosevelt. Now I have to look it up. Stand for anything. Fall Real time it. search. Yeah. <laughs> It was my mom, wasn't it? Alexander Hamilton? Really? Ooh. Okay. Was it in Hamilton? I don't know. Is that a lyric in? Oh, man. I bet it was. So, but anyhow, I just remember hearing it as a kid and thinking. Now I have Alexander Hamilton stuck in my head. <laughs> my name is Alexander Hamilton. Lin-Manuel Miranda wants, wants money for that, royalty money for that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got no I, money, bro. He Sorry. seems like he seems like a nice dude. I'm sure he's Let's fine have with him on. his lyrics. Let's have him on. Oh I my gosh, that would be on. amazing. That would be amazing. If anyone listening knows Lynn Manuel Miranda, can you please have him contact us? Because we really want him on our show. We will make him real chai. Yes. <gasps> yes. <laughs> but it's true. Like I and, and then I remember another phrase that I used to see, it was in high school, it was on my, I had this amazing uh, English teacher and it said, what is right is not always popular. What is popular is not always right. Yeah. And that was also, for me, it gave me this, I don't know, I always just felt like at some point the curtains were gonna part for me and it would be my right. time. Right. It's my time up here. It's yeah. my time. Goonie no, style. Right. <laughs> you're, you're right though. Like I did have this sense that one day I'm going to give all this up and I'm just going to get to be me. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I remember growing up and hearing my mom. This is like classic Long Island 80s mom thing to say. All right. Bring it. Bring it. Oh, if all your friends are going to go jump off the Verrazano <laughs> Bridge, are you going to jump too? Yes, mom. Yes. But you didn't put me in swim classes yet, so I might die. <laughs> Way to lay on the guilt early. Nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, these are from the same people who told us if we ate watermelon seeds, a watermelon tree would grow in oh our stomach. God. all the vitamins are in the crust of the bread how how is that possible how did that happen did they just float out from the center and and go towards the edges because they were trying to escape the bread like what (laughs) oh goodness that's too funny 
But I mean, I think it is, it is true that on some level, as you are sort of, we are clay though. We're like the Play-Doh, we're the clay we're forming, we're figuring out who we are. And we sort of have this amount of time before we start to harden. And I think, you know, you meet those people who, who have hardened and it's kind of yeah. sad where there's not that mobility. And I think there's always got to be a little bit of pliability to identity because if you're, if you're just like sort of stuck and stationary, it's elastic, right? That's different elastic, though yeah. than being rooted. Like when you're sure. rooted, like a tree, that's like, you know, at the base who you are, what really yeah. is meaningful to you, what matters, where your boundaries are super duper important. That's a whole other conversation, oh, but God. boundaries is a whole separate, but then thing. it, it allows you to not fall into these identities that don't necessarily like fit you. I mean, you see, we've seen it in our lifetimes, whether it's, you know, rock and rollers, mm-hmm. you know, who were doing, doing all kinds of things who get their life on a straight path and then they're meditating and they're Oh yeah. Spiritual and all of this. I mean, there's just these different phases of life. If there's a fluidity to it, you know, and I, I do believe that it is healthy to try on a lot of different things and see what fits. I tried on a lot of different sort of social circles and social identities. And I think I took different pieces from them that maybe helped me dial up the things I already had innately inside me. Like they gave me permission in a way Mm -hmm. to be more of this quality that maybe was latent or subdued or dormant before. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you can discover a lot about who you are based on how you write when you're by yourself. Writing was a really profound way for me to really identify the things that caused me pain yeah, and uh, why they caused me pain. It also helped me get very creative in how I wanted to express myself. So that was, that was for me really, really big. But I think even bigger than that was helping people, helping people, you know, by reading hands and stuff like that. I started to see a lot of things mirror uh, things that I had issues in, with inside, I would see them in people I would read hands for in my early 20s. And I didn't realize at the time, like, this is, you know, that this is spirit showing me how to mm-hmm. heal myself, right? I was just like, oh, that's so interesting. These things that we all have in common that I would never have thought of are also like present in me, the, the secret, scary things that I struggle with other people struggle with too. So there's this sort of common identity that maybe generally, generationally we have an identity. So there's like the familial identity that you have. Like when my brother and I are together, we like share a brain and we turn into this, you know, ridiculous, hilarious blob. And then when I'm with like, um, you know, friends that I've had for like you, when you and I are hanging out, we have like- we have like this really annoying, ridiculous, <laughs> like people look at it. They're like, oh my God, they're aliens. This is, back away. it's a cult. No, I'm just it's kidding. a cult. Where's A&E? We need A&E. Um, it, it's, I really feel like identity is a social, a social construct. 
It is. It, it so is. I, and I love what you were saying earlier about trying on different things because I know I've given the same advice to people and I have thought about it that way too. Like, let me think about like a closet of outfits yeah. Like what you did as a kid and let me try something on and see if it fits. And in some cases that may be trying on different relationships, trying on different yeah. careers, places that you live, but ultimately you are the person that you carry with you throughout your life. And I do really believe that if, if you don't like who you are when you are alone, if you can't be with that person, there is some healing sort of on that soul or spirit level that needs to happen. And, and I don't think it's that there's anything wrong with, with you or with that person. I think it's because that that person has fragmented themselves yeah. so much that they no longer identify who they are. I know I've had those experiences just being a woman and everything that has happened to me in my life and mm -hmm. not feeling um, connected with my body. And it's taken me many years to just reconnect and sit inside my That's body. That's so again. huge. Yeah. That connection with, with that is what led me to therapy in the first place. I felt very disconnected from my body and I started that, uh, process in my early thirties. I think I was 30 or 31 Yeah. when I started going to therapy and that was what I went in for. And that process of uh, sort of unraveling that helped me see how disconnected I was from everything else. And that's when the friend group started changing and mm -hmm. um, the taking ownership for things that have happened to me and, you know, not being such a passive observer, being more vocal, um, being more comfortable saying how I feel sometimes I don't know how I feel until I'm talking. Yeah. You process out loud. Yeah. I think a lot of women do. Mm -hmm. Maybe some men do as well, but I don't think it's really encouraged as much mm -hmm. there. But I definitely, like you hear yourself say stuff and you're like, I didn't know I felt that way until I just said it. Well, the body is a messenger, right? And yeah. we those yucky feelings that you kind of couldn't fully identify when you were in your twenties. And I know I've had the same thing later on. You realize like my body was telling me this is not it. Like if you're trying on an outfit, this is not the outfit. And I think as we get older, we sort of give ourselves more permission to leave the situations that don't, that don't fit us, that don't, mm -hmm feel res they don't resonate with our identity. I know that's certainly where I'm at in my life now is where, I mean, I, I, I we've been reading untamed, right. And Glennon yeah. Doyle says this thing about, I can leave any room that I don't feel fits me. And, and I really like that, but I think it does take a lot of work and time to get to permission. That it's just a lot of this is permission based identity is permission based. You have to give yourself permission to be whatever version of yourself you want to be that day and that can be scary because you come into work and you know you're not feeling great and you don't want to smile people will tell you that that's not part of your identity they will react strongly when you are emoting something that they are not used to mm -hmm. and it sometimes takes a lot of permission and power to say, no, no, this is part of who I am. You just don't know all of me. 
Right. Like you're allowed to be any version of yourself. And I feel like that's gotten even more so with technology and social media where people only see with, with most of us only the good stuff and it's very highly curated. So if I think in some ways it's become this prism of, okay, I've got to show up this way. Like I do in my Facebook feed (laughs) so that people only recognize this. And I, and I think, you know, we have to give ourselves that permission slip to, to show our full self. Now, of course, in some situations, you may not be safe to show your full self and that's trust does need to be earned. And so vulnerability can look different depending on who you're with, because there are some people that will use your vulnerability against you. Right. Right. But the other thing is now that we've sort of given that permission slip to everybody and to ourselves um, (laughs) to evolve our identity, I think there's something else that's important to talk about, which is what happens as you move from one identity to the other, you know, you were talking Ooh. about losing friends and the grief that is associated with consequences. that. Consequences to death. Dun, yes. dun, dun. <laughs> These are yeah. our homemade sound effects. <laughs> Special effects department here. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I'm just, woo, woo, woo. Shoulder action. Sultana's giving some real shoulder action. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Hang Almost on, like wait. we're bunkering right right now. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Dance I'm done. D- dance break over. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of grief for you when you went from? Yeah, there was. You know, this is now several years later, and I still feel crappy. These were people that you know. I thought were my friends. I thought knew me and loved me because I had this idea that if you love someone, you stick it out. Mm. But you realize that there are different there are different types of love. There's conditional love and there's unconditional love. The un, the friends who have unconditional love for you, and, and this is within reason. I'm not talking about like situations where you abuse your friends. Or yeah. you take uh, take advantage of them. That's I'm another talking. conversation, toxic I'm not, relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about toxic relationships here. I'm talking about these are people you spend, you know, almost every other day with hanging out. And then you start to evolve. You start to maybe go through a process where you're growing or you're realizing things. And then you start maybe setting some boundaries or saying like, if you've always been the go with the flow friend, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I don't think I'm actually go with the flow. I think I actually have a problem with some of these things. And, you know, I feel safe enough in these friendships that I might be able to say how I really feel about something. And then you do, and then they all disappear. Mm-hmm. It's like the minute you set a boundary, yeah. those people leave. Part of you might have known that that was a possibility, but whenever it happens, it's always like, holy crap, I've lost most of my friends now because I've, I'm the outcast. I've outcasted myself from the group and they are all the same. They're, they're all kind of going that one path. And because I've now just said something that made everyone uncomfortable, I'm out. 
So when you are out your identity, you start to question like, if I'm still who I've always been, what has changed? Like, why did those people leave? Why didn't, why weren't those people interested in me, in my growth? Mm -hmm. That's when you start to learn that some people are only in your life because of what you afford them. Mm -hmm. And if you afford them an environment where you don't have to be authentic or you don't have to uh, honor boundaries, then they'll, they'll be mad when you change that contract. And it's hard to, especially if those are friends that you've known for a while. And I've had a similar thing happen to me in my twenties when I started down my path of personal development in my mid twenties. And I'd been thinking about it for years, but when I really committed myself to the path and my friend group completely changed over, there was grief associated with that. It was, there was loss. Um, but part, there's a piece that wants to run after them be like, Oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding about right. all that, right. all that vulnerability oh, stuff. Psych. Psych. <laughs> but you, you know, like when you're in a box and you no longer fit it, yeah, outgrown it. And you can't, once you know, it's like what they say, like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Sure. That's the truth. And so at that point of, it, it's sort of an expansion of your identity and movement. You have to just put some more momentum behind it as hard as yeah. it is. Cause the universe is going to sort of test you and say, oh, you say you're this mm-hmm. Amy, but are you really, let me just throw some, let me throw some slime. I'm thinking of like back, going back to the eighties, the, the slime yeah. show. Mark Summers with his slime. Yes. And all s- over you let me throw you some slime and see like, do you really want this? Mm-hmm. And, and so that is where you need to like dig in and just keep moving forward toward the direction that your body's telling you, yeah. that you know, you need to go because you no longer fit that box and the grief will change over time. It will yeah. become something else. And that is, that is the victory. That is the victory of overcoming. And we can't, I think it's actually sad. Like when you go back to a reunion and, or you see old friends who really haven't changed all that much. Yeah. It's kind of sad in some ways. I would have thought you would be- Life would have grown you up a little. Yeah. 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 What did or didn't happen? Or it's in some so many ways, it's a fear thing. Like people just being afraid, going to the edge of the cliff and saying, I don't want to jump. In my experience, the thing that really changed and, and gave me- more power was language. We're not raised, I mean, at least you and I weren't, we weren't raised knowing the language to use to communicate those weird, complex feelings we were having. There was no permission-based language. There was no, there weren't, there were no phrases you could use like, hey, I need some time to think about this. (laughs) I, could I maybe take some time to like really consider what you're saying? I'm just, I'm just like trying to imagine saying something like that. Who would say that? You'd be like, what are you smoking, bro? But now like that is, that is how you're supposed to speak. 
speak and parent and which is good. Right. But th- that language is new. It is like the, the, the permission and the commonplaceness Mm -hmm. of those phrases, friendships today are going to evolve. Identity today is going to evolve at a completely different rate and a completely different direction than it did for generations past. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. It is. It is because then it gives you that freedom to take your entire closet and put it out on the real life runway and try on all the outfits you like. Oh my God. So this is crazy. I have to tell you about this. Last night I had this dream. It was insane. I was, I think in LA, probably visiting um, family. My brother lives in California. So I was there, he was there and we were walking around, around some very like you know, trendy area. And my brother was like, oh, I need to get my hair done. Come with me, come to the salon. So I was like, okay, sure. So we go into the salon. He's getting his hair done. The stylist there was Aubrey Plaza. Nice. Aubrey Plaza looks at me and she's like, no, 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 you come with me. And she puts me in this chair (laughs) and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How much is this going to cost? Right? Because this is, LA. She's like, we don't talk about money here. Let's just, we're just going to change your whole look. She gives me this new haircut. Like my hair is just slightly below my shoulders right now. All of a sudden my hair is like mid back. And she does this really cool thing with bangs in the front. It looks really good in the dream, right? She does this asymmetrical (laughs) thing. And then um, she pulls me out of the chair. She changes the color And she puts me in this outfit that I never thought I would be able to wear, but she puts me in this outfit and these shoes. And she's like, okay, that's going to be $10,000. And I was like, what? I don't have (laughs) $10,000. Somehow, some way, some rich person comes in and pays for it because it felt bad for me. Right. Nice. And, (laughs) and then I start walking I'm walking the streets with my brother now. And we both look like we're straight out of a fashion magazine. I look like a newborn horse learning how to walk. <laughs> in the, in these in the high heels. Yeah. yeah. I haven't worn stilettos in a long time. And uh, we go off into, into the wilderness like that and uh, probably get like an iced green tea latte or whatever the bougie people drink and (laughs) soy, no foam, light foam, whatever. And I wake up from the dream and I have this moment of like, that's actually who I am underneath all of this. Mm -hmm. That it like who I was in the, in the dream. It brought me back to when I was a kid dressing up in my room. Isn't that awesome? Crazy makeup. And it's like, this is actually who I am. This is not, nothing about that felt strange or surreal it felt like oh look at I can be the girl who wears sweatpants two two three days a week and then want to go out dressed to the nines the next day like with all the drama of it that is who I am I get to be all the things ditch the moo moo (laughs) (laughs) Sundays moo moo Sundays (laughs) oh but it's nice we can be we can be all the things. We can be all the things, all the many things, and it's totally okay. It is all yeah. good. <clears throat> be 
yourself. Be aggressive. Be be, be aggressive. aggressive. Be assertive. Be be assertive. Be passive. Be, be I don't know. <laughs> I don't be know whatever. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> but above all things, just be. be be kind to others, please. Be kind to others, please. Yeah. Don't be a butthead. Don't be a butthead. Like just if you're don't. gonna choose but identity to be, just don't don't be butthead. Don't be a butthead, guys. <laughs> All right. I love you, sweetie. I love you.